This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Many of you are not saying things that need to be said or are not doing things that need to be done. Our goal is to connect you with real people with real stories on how they have demonstrated bravery in the workplace to help you do the same. I hope you have listened to our past conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Today, I'd love to introduce you to our guest, Jessica Kaplan. Jessica is currently the Senior Director of Talent Management and Leadership Strategy at Bright Horizons. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Ed. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Terrific. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking a little bit about bravery in the workplace. It's my pleasure. I love talking with you. (laughs) So, you know, I think folks would love to hear a little bit about, you know, what the work is that you do at Bright Horizons. Absolutely. So my title is a long one, as you said, but what it means is, you know, Bright Horizons has been around for 35 years. We work with corporations to make sure that their employees can bring their whole selves to work. So we take care of employees' children through early education. We advise employees' children on their college choices. We advise employees on their own educational choices, and we take care of employees' pets (laughs) through pet sitting and also elderly parents and loved ones. And so why I bring that up is that my job is to help our own employees be able to show up fully, to be able to have meaningful careers here, managers to be able to grow and learn as leaders, but also to have clear succession planning too. So the true talent management from performance enablement to succession planning, as well as learning and development. That's all what I get to oversee and including executive coaching, which is a real privilege for me as well. Well, we can see now why you have such a long title. Exactly. (laughs) My elevator speech, I need at least 45 floors on the elevator. I need to, uh, (laughs) you know, we serve people here. And as a people person, it's a great place to be in that sense. Well, of everything you just said, I think the most surprising piece for me is I didn't know Bright Horizons did pet sitting. (laughs) It is. It's through a partnership. But we, you know, we realize pets are parts of people's family. And actually, it allows us to really make sure that what we offer is inclusive. Even we are starting to really help with student loan repay as well, help employers help their employees pay back their student loans. Because we know not everyone has children or wants them. Not everyone needs a degree, but a lot of people have debts. So between pet sitting and work like elder care, we're able to kind of round out how we serve employees and who we serve. Well, I think that when I sit back and look at the world that tuition payments are the next credit crisis. Yes. You know, we owe so many dollars. I Mm -hmm. think it's even trillions of dollars in debt to colleges or third-party administrators. And if Bright Horizons can help step in and mitigate that relationship so people can actually pay back a loan, I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. I couldn't agree more. I just think the mental load that we all know, and I know that a lot of people that listen and work with you at our town professionals, right? Our employees come into work with a lot on their minds and debt is so, so heavy. 
And, you know, in many ways with your work being around courage and bravery, when we feel locked in, I think sometimes we can feel less brave to take risks or to ask for what we want, because in that burden of debt, it can really get in the way of that. So we're hoping to help and help employers help their employees. Yeah, well, great. I think that's fantastic. So we're here today to talk a little bit about bravery in the workplace. And when you think about just in general bravery and you know what that means or how you might define it, you know, what are some words or phrases or thoughts that you might share with us? Oh my gosh, when I was younger, I would think I had like much more big words, you know, like, (laughs) but I think it's the little things, it's risk, it's, you know, vulnerability, agency, drive, and freedom. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit more when you think about this word vulnerability. We've heard that before and we hear that a lot. You know, authors like Brene Brown talk a lot about this thing called being vulnerable. What do you think that means to you? I do think in my coaching work, I hear so much about those internal saboteurs we all have, those stories we tell ourselves. I think Brene Brown talks about the stories we tell ourselves. But I think the idea is to get to differentiate what's our true selves, our true voices, our wisdom that we each have, in my opinion. And then what are the old things we're telling ourselves? What have people told us in the past that we're now we've internalized? And I think the courage is to be able to become aware of those old stories to differentiate what do I truly want? What do I truly bring? Understanding that I can be humble and confident, that I can be modest and ambitious. I think being truly who I am and dismissing the old stories so that I can be present and contribute as well. So that to me, that courage is being able to kind of acknowledge maybe the old stories, the saboteurs that we tell ourselves and really choose to listen to and trust who we are. Well, I love that model of being modest, but ambitious, because I think you can be both. I do a two-day workshop called the five behaviors for a cohesive team. And in that workshop, we talk about something called building trust. And in this program, it's vulnerability-based trust, which is the ability of a leader to be able to say, I think I've made a mistake, or I'm sorry, and this is not something all leaders do or are able to do. And that vulnerability about them being human is brave, right? It takes bravery to stand up in front of a group of employees and say, hey, I think there's something that's happened that we could do a little bit better next time, or I'm sorry that it didn't turn out the way that we hoped, you know, whatever it might be. I think about that bravery of like standing up, right? And when I stand in who I am, right, whether that's the mistake I made, whether it's an accomplishment I'm really proud of, if I stand up in who I am, it doesn't take up anyone else's space, (laughs) right? It allows me to stand in who I am, but it doesn't take anything from you. In fact, I think it encourages everyone else to stand up and stand in who they are. And then all of a sudden, everyone's elevated. But that's been a real aha for me, actually, through my coaching training is by me owning who I am, what I want, what I value, what I can contribute. I'm not taking away from others. In fact, I can encourage others to do the same. Well, all of our guests, Jessica, have come with a story that they would love to share about their experience with bravery in the workplace. And we'd love to hear yours. Yeah. So this story is one, as I tell it more. And part of me being more courageous is to share the story a bit more, but I still get a little nervous. And I think well, you're about to share it with millions of people. And I'm ready because (laughs) I know it can help. I hope. So for me, the story that 
really epitomizes courage for me in the workplace is when I chose to share with my male leader, and I'll tell you why that's important in a minute, that we were struggling to create our family. I learned from the doctor it was going to be a hard road. And we suffered miscarriages and just knew it was not going to be easy for us to have children, something I really wanted and my husband really wanted. And we don't talk a lot about that in the workplace. And if you think about Bright Horizons, where on every wall, there's a picture of a smiling child, it started to feel like a hard place to be. And so I was on the fast track. I was overseeing a client relations team, working with our learning and development clients. And I had to be on the road and I could not do that while I was trying to start this family of mine and needing the medical attention I did. So I, for the first time, my values were being challenged by working, something I actually really value. I was in contrast to the family I wanted to create that value. And that cognitive dissonance was really wearing on me. I struggled so much. I kept on thinking all the shoulds, the I should be able to pull this off or I should be able to work more while I don't have that family because once I have those children, then I'm going to want to slow down. Should, 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 right? And I finally spoke to some very close, close colleagues and they said, ask for what you need now. Create the life you want now. And you have a partner and your husband, you have a family, make that family you want now. And that meant slowing down. It meant not traveling all the time. And so I really went back and forth because I also knew it was going to be emotional for me to share this with my male leader. And again, I bring up male because I was making assumptions that he didn't understand and that if he didn't understand, he wouldn't be able to empathize or respond to me in the way I was hoping. And I was hoping he would say, I identified a business need that I thought our own employees could use the support and the training that we were helping our clients deliver. So I identified a business need and said, I could help train our own employees. It would keep me off the road. I'd be able to help and I'd be able to slow down and not be in contrast between my work values and my family. And I said that to him. And Ed, you know, I was emotional and he held the space for me. He, not to go into too much detail, he shared something that he had experienced and immediately created this empathetic space. He showed his vulnerability. And then he said, we need to get you through this, Jessica, because I know when you come out on the other side, you're going to be even more motivated and even more ready to contribute. So he had his talent hat on too. He knew that I was going to be able to help with the internal business need, right? And that he knew he had the long-term game, the long, the end game there too. And by showing that vulnerability himself, he didn't make me feel ashamed of the emotion and he knew that my emotion meant I cared about the work. And so all of that, it took so much from me to be able to stand in front of him, own my emotion, own what I needed, and then for him to be vulnerable back. And my twins are five years old. That was over seven years ago. And I am back. I'm back full time. I'm in a senior position here. That allowed me that experience to pivot to be internal talent management. And this is now the career I love. So it was a 
courageous and a huge learning experience and has put me on this trajectory that I really care about now with two beautiful children. Well, there you go. So what a beautiful benefit to your effort of bravery. And I loved your story. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And a couple of things I'd like to go back on because I am attempting to help people through stories like yours identify triggers or behaviors that they may be experiencing that they can pause and say, hey, is there another way that I can do this? And you mentioned something that really resonates, I think, with a lot of folks, which is this, you know, I should have, yet I didn't, or I should have said, but I didn't, or yet that meeting, I should have raised my hand and I didn't. That's a rut that you can get caught in where in reflection, you look back and your life's full of I should haves, and yet I didn't. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts or ideas on how to help people do it in the moment and have the courage and bravery to do it in the moment versus looking back in reflection and saying, gee, I should have, but I didn't. Yeah, great question. You know, I think about shoulds, right? It's all judgment, right? Judgment of ourselves, judgment of others, and judgment can take a lot of energy, but it creates no action. So I think one of the things is when I say I should have done that, but I didn't, it's looking back and the past is gone. So it stops you. So I think maybe thinking about when those shoulds come up and paying attention because they're a great flag, right? When I hear myself should say should or others, I just, I stop now because I'm like, okay, that's a saboteur. That's my self judging or others. What am I actually saying here? So I find myself saying what I want to do this. For example, I look back, I say, I should have spoken to my boss about my desire for a new role. And what I tell you, right, there's a should. I want to speak to my boss about a desire for a new role. By putting myself in the present, now I can say, so what do I want to do with this? And then how do I apply that moving forward? I've talked a lot about or learned a lot about leading through the messiness. I think I have beaten myself up in the past about what I didn't do, but there's still time. I took that role heading client relations, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to travel. I beat myself up. Why did I even say yes? But you know, I did. It didn't mean that I couldn't have that conversation with my boss four months after accepting the role and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. So I think it's that idea of just not thinking that our chances have passed and beating ourselves up about those missed opportunities. That's what this whole story taught me the most is, What do I want right now and how can I use what I want in effect change moving forward? Stop beating myself up about what I didn't do in the past because I can't change that. So I think for our listeners, and if I can paraphrase what you're saying, Jessica, is if you leave a meeting where you say to yourself, I should have said something and I didn't, or I should have done something and I didn't, don't live in the past that you still have potentially either opportunities to say, I want to say what I needed to say, and I'm still going to say it. So I'm going to go look for my boss or the meeting leader and say, hey, there's something I wanted to say at the meeting and I chose not to either because the agenda was already behind or I didn't want to get us off track, whatever, but move from the past to the present and still say it. And then going forward, if at a meeting there's something that you feel you need to say or do and you're struggling with the should is in the moment converted to the present, which is a want and be brave and raise your hand. Exactly. That's exactly right. And well said. And I think that there's ways to remind ourselves. I literally have, I bought a ring to remind myself that when I go to a certain meetings to be courageous. And that ring reminds me of the time I talked to my boss about needing a different role. 
And I will wear that ring into a meeting that I know I need to be more courageous and I'll touch it. And that structure allows me to stay in the present like you just talked about. Well, I am a big fan of short-term visual reminders. It sounds so academic. And anytime (laughs) I'm in a coaching engagement with a senior leader and I make a suggestion about a short-term visual reminder, I think sometimes they look at me like I've got six heads. But in order to do something, oftentimes, especially if it's not something that you've done in the past, you need to be reminded. And if you're not reminded, you're never going to remember to do it. And so your ring or other short-term visual reminders are great ways to remember something that's important for you to do. Completely. It's practicing like anything, right? Something new to practice. So the reminder helps. And any reason to shop for a ring or jewelry, I mean, you know, it helps. So (laughs) (laughs) well, Jessica, thank you again for sharing your story. And I think there were a number of lessons our listeners can learn from in our conversation. So I hope they listen to the podcast more than once. And if folks wanted to connect with you or chat with you a little bit more about your situation, and get some more suggestions or ideas, are there ways that they can contact you? Absolutely. You know, I love a good text or voicemail. So my work mobile is 203-641-9443. Okay, great. All right. Well, thanks again, Jessica. Thank you. It was really great speaking to you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope that you watch us or listen to us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at forbraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora and Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast. We are in endless numbers of places. So do you have something you need to say that you're not saying yet? Do you have something to do yet you are not doing yet? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.